Do we want to? Do we want to just pick up, or do we, you want to start over? <laughs> I wish I could keep that. Oh man, I think I am. Oh no. We're gonna try that again. Hey y'all, it's Tish, and this is Tish's thoughts, and. Um, we're trying to get our lives together, but it's 2020, it's pandemic, so um, we blame all things on that. Um, today, my guest of honor is, guest of honor, share yourself. Hello, my name's James. Hi, James. Reese. We, we can decide if that name stays as is or what, depending on how I do. <laughs> Um, James is one of my friends I met when we were on a special journey together called Way Back When. Way Back When. Um, yeah, it's been years, teenage years since that's happened. That's weird. Yeah. There are people who are like learning to drive that weren't even born then, right? Or is that too? That's gross. I don't think we're there yet. I apologize. Yeah. (laughs) You're aging us, James. You're aging us. (laughs) Maybe that was a little... um, They're getting there, though. They're getting there. They're not quite there. They're just like... They're pushing it. Thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) James, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So, um, my name's James. Um, I am a pastor's kid. I'm in my 30s. Um, I say I'm a lot. I have a bunch of siblings. And uh, gosh, we have moved all around. Um, Every few years growing up, we would move to a new church. My dad would sort of, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but he would gravitate towards churches that were having some sort of conflict and he would help them resolve the conflict or he would help them split into two functional churches um, if there was just sort of like a difference of opinion that wasn't something that needed like correction but was just like truly agree to disagree sort of stuff mm-hmm. um, so yeah so I we moved around all around the um, the Great Plains mostly um, South Dakota Oklahoma Kansas the really exciting <laughs> spots you know yeah I'm super <laughs> excited Um, I mean, yeah, that's your childhood, but what about, what are, what is something, what are you doing now? What is, what is your occupation? Like what, what's, what's a little bit before we dive into it? Like, what are you currently doing? So right now I'm, if I were a sports team, I would say that I'm in a rebuilding phase. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Same seats. Um, I'm, I'm transitioning work right now. I had uh, got laid off with the pandemic, and uh, I'm looking at getting into maybe working for the health department. Oh. Maybe in a contact tracing capacity, something like that. Oh. Because um, I, I have people in my life that are really high risk, and they're really important to me, and I don't want to, you know, blah, blah, et cetera. Everybody can get where I'm going with that. Right. Um, 
So I'm really looking for something that I can work not with the public and also not selling my soul. And so I figured, you know, contact tracing or something like that I could get behind and it's something that I am qualified for. So I'm just doing the training right now and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but my passion is music. That's like my, you know, what I love to do. Um, which is kind of funny because it's one of the things that I do the least <laughs> these days. <laughs> ah! Oh, you speak into the soul of a mm. person. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would, because I was just about to say, he's not, I'm pushing for it to, to talk about music. It's not happening. But I'm glad you, you, you reined it in. Um, we got there. James is a talented musician and singer and... Um, that is um, how we met. We did. We yeah. were both um, accepted onto. I guess you could call it a troupe in a way. Uh, was this a former Christian music organization that sent young people out on? We would call them like music mission tours, and we would do like a concert esque and a theme to it. Um, kind of in a way like sharing the gospel to people. Most of the time we were just singing to people who are already Christians, but that's not here nor there. Um, but yeah, it was a very interesting, we were on the road for three months with like 30-ish people. Um, Most of whom were like high schoolers and like one or two of whom were in their 30s. Yeah. And, and over it. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was a it was a cluster of people and I'm just gonna leave that there um, so yeah um, James was one of like my favorite people that I met on there so we'll as just... for you one of my favorite people oh my gosh the love I feel through this green <laughs> yes corona can't stop it um, <laughs> but so as you said James you're a PK fellow PKs over here. I think that's another thing that um, I think helped bond us is kind of those unspoken pressures of being a preacher's kid. Like the expectations of the congregation. Yeah. Just trying to figure out who you are and where you fit. Yeah. How was that like for you growing up? Oh man. Well, for me, it was tricky because I, um, we've talked about this in the past, but I have uh, an adult diagnosis of ADHD, and uh, but I've had it since forever. And there's a certain element of sitting still and being quiet to being a pastor's kid, um, especially a pastor's kid, but I'm sure a lot of kids. Um, and uh, it's, that was especially difficult, physically painful, you know? Um, and so fortunately my parents were not quite, my parents, make no mistake, my parents were extremely strict. They were not as strict as my dad's parents at least. So, so they had the intention of giving me more room on the leash, so to speak. Um, and what that translated to was they would let me draw during services. They would let me draw, um, doodles. And usually 
I would draw stuff related to Star Trek because yes, Star Trek. I love Star Trek so much. <laughs> next generation, next generation. Oh yes, next generation. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yes. That's why we friends. Okay, keep going. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I would I would like draw all these like space battles, and of course the Enterprise would never shoot first because they're about defense and right. knowledge. Anyway, um, and I had a friend who had a light bright, <laughs> and I was like, oh, he has cool high-tech toys, and I just have a pen and paper, and so, like, I would spend the whole service just looking around at the, the building and looking at patterns in the carpet and just, like, being bored and just trying to entertain myself any way I could, um, and I was always in trouble. And I didn't, I was like a good kid. I tried to do the right thing, but I was constantly in trouble because I just couldn't be quiet and still enough for long enough for whatever. So I think half the time I was mostly just in trouble for existing conveniently in certain times of places, you know? So So that's so sad. definitely was not the easiest kid to um to handle because i i don't know my parents are so radically different from me right um like my dad is so um speaking of star trek picard is one of his heroes but he also is a really all about wharf in terms of like his like really strict personal code of honor and like how uh, he has his own way of doing things. It's not the human way or the Klingon way. It's like Worf's own path that he's forging. Mm-hmm. And that's been my family's motto. That, uh, like, preceding my dad, it's like, there's the right way and the wrong way and the Reese way. So there's like a very hard-nosed characteristic to my family. Ooh, um, yes. And... And so my way was different than my dad's way. And that was really hard for both of us to accept because we're both so stubborn. I was so. just about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Stubbornness yeah. all the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very much. Very much. Um, and my mom is an, a natural born nurturing spirit she's very giving um and gentle and uh she takes her role very very seriously in terms of like her spousal position Mm -hmm. in relation to my dad in relation to the church in relation to god so like that informs everything about their lives um it's very like very very driven completely by their interpretation of the bible okay and um so for them that means that the wife takes on a more submissive role and so my mom had you know i grew up she was uh i don't know what the correct term would be but she didn't have a job outside of the home she raised all of us and performed domestic duties and taught us how to do that and all that sort of stuff and and that really worked for them and she has struck me as someone who loves her life and is a fulfilled person and feels like she's living her purpose and um, so yeah so they're really happy and they've been together since 78 um, and 
don't know, but I, I don't really have anything in common with my family in, in a lot of ways. Was, um, was that always the case? Like, you know, do you feel like you were the only one, like, having to doodle to stay calm during church or out of your siblings? Or do you feel like um, that real or did you feel like that realization came later on after some of the things which we'll get to that you went through? Um, there was definitely a sense of feeling like a, a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Mm. Um, and that my, my other siblings didn't necessarily, I mean, I was and am and have a problem with being focused on myself a little too much. So I might have a sibling or two that was struggling in the way that I was, but I was so obsessed with my own struggle that I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Tough to say, but I'm the only one who's left the church out of my family, um, and I mean, we don't really talk. And I believe they all talk together. They mostly like, I don't know. It, I guess I have a hard time separating what's like sibling uh, behavior versus. Because, like, when you were growing up, you have a brother and a sister? Is that mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you the baby? I am. I am. <laughs> to the T. <tea. laughs> so, uh, so, were, like, did they pick on you and stuff? Or were they protecting you? Or, like... Um, yeah. They, they were protective, but also they could pick on me. Other people right, couldn't. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I always, um, and then, you know, with what we went through as kids, we, we were very much bullied for our cultural background growing up. Mm. So there was like a, a, a kind of a bond that was set, um, not only in the home, but it, it definitely got built even stronger outside the home because of that. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. um, Because I'm very... As the baby in a lot of ways and, like, the years and difference between my siblings and I, it's not that much, but I'm very much the different one in a lot of ways. And and so, yeah. But there was a, a definite, like, we in this together... Yeah. From the beginning, yeah. I think, yeah, like, so my, my family has this sort of idea that we're a tight-knit family. Mm-hmm. And that's something that my dad has often repeated about how much he enjoys what a close family we all are. And part of that, I think, we united through the fact that we were moving every few years. And, like, you know, when everyone in your life changes except for these people... Repeatedly, while your brain's developing, you start to have these sort of associations in terms of like who you can like. How significant is it to walk away from something? Right. Versus like who's there to stay, you know? Right. So, um, but I had this feeling that 
I didn't feel like I belonged in my family very much. Mm-hmm. Like I remember a few times uh, growing up, I actually asked my mom's permission uh, to run away one time because <laughs> I didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's adorable. And she did not allow me to. I mean, and I went to my room. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> on brand. I think that's on parental yeah. brand. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I always took everything so personally, mm-hmm. um, and I still do. Um, just like, really, I take everything so so hard, um, whether or not it was like really meant that way yeah um and i don't i don't know like looking back on it like every time i talk about my relationship with my family i feel like i have a completely different conversation because i stew on it so often mm. and i have new thoughts on it so i'm i'm trying not to just repeat the same old story to myself and reinforce that sort of as the absolute truth because memory isn't perfect and mine's not perfect and you know, my, my level of awareness as a kid, there's like context that I'm lacking for a lot of memories. I only know my experience of it. Um, but I have spent many, many years being really angry and bitter about my memories of how those years went, you know? Um, and, and at this point I'm, I'm, I kind of consider myself estranged from my family, even though they text me every few months, you know, and, and occasionally will say, you know, Hey, we're having a thing. Do you want to come over? But there's, there's this divide between us that I don't know if they understand it. And I don't know if I fully understand it. Um, but there's just been this distance because as I'm constantly reevaluating, that's been something that's kind of happened my whole life is like, I'm always questioning what I assume to be the truth because I was a gullible kid and people would trick me. And so at a certain point, I kind of just started growing skepticism, I guess. Mm. And, and in the church that can be, not really received very well sometimes. Yeah, I never lied. Do you feel like um, kind of the anger or just like the misunderstanding of who you are in your family, like with your family, or kind of that growing skepticism was why you decided to leave the church? Or was it both? Like, was it both the impacts of your childhood and the anger that grew or just like yeah the growing skepticism of it all because of that's a that's a great question um I think it was both um but I think it needed to be both because just one or the other I don't think would have been enough Mm. because I there's like a perception of people who leave the church that either they never really believed or they are leaving the church because they want to live a 
a sinful lifestyle that the church condemns and they don't want to be hassled about it or something like that. One or another variation of those two outcomes is the most common thing that I've heard of people who leave the church. And it's frustrating because when I had this sort of like aha moment, Mm -hmm. it was sort of like a series of moments. Uh, It kind of started with politics for me um, because my parents are really conservative, Mm -hmm. super conservative. Mm -hmm. They're not, they are not Trump conservatives. Thank whoever you want to thank for that one. Um, (laughs) So, uh, because to my dad's credit, the one thing that he hates more than anything else is a liar. And (laughs) there's one thing Trump is very bad at doing. It's lying convincingly. Um, But that's a a whole conversation. They ain't Um, ready. I mean, probably the people who listen to this podcast are ready, but some other folks probably ain't ready. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, man. They're so um, they're so conservative. And there was there was this emphasis on homosexuality and the sin of homosexuality and etc and and an obsession with purity culture in general like sexual purity uh, yeah triggered that's triggered that's a, sure. yeah. triggered that's a, yeah oh mm-hmm. keep going I, mm-hmm. I don't i don't still have my purity ring but i did have one i think i even as a didn't you have it on tour? I'm pretty sure. I probably did. I probably did. Because I'm like, I even look. I was looking at your hand, and I was like, something's missing. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 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 So, oh, um, then not. We'll go back to it. So that makes me oh, think. Yeah, yeah. I have a question. Then, see, as a male. Right. Okay. Okay. I was I was thinking we were gonna get to this angle. Yeah. Yes, because but, I feel like it in the church is so harped on the girls. Still is to some extent, depending on you know what kind of church you go to. I feel like it is always put on the females, the the purity you the purity balls like where were the dudes at like you know all of that the 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 pressure to be this um majestic unblemished being Mm -hmm. where males were like i mean but he's a boy i mean it'd be great but if it happens you know he can't control it you know girls you wear wear your turtleneck (laughs) um yeah. Wear your long skirts, wear all of that because it's your duty to make sure he keeps his own purity in check. Wait, what? Right. Yeah. It's you. Yeah. So, For, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even, I don't know if this was a rant I wanted to go on or a question, but like for you in that time, let's, let's yeah. reverse as a male, like how were you feeling about the whole purity thing like 
did you agree in the sense of it's it's a lot on the females or did you like for yourself thought it was important to walk that out for you and you alone like between you and god for me it was absolutely supremely important and felt like my responsibility um growing up um which i i mean of the versions of purity culture that are out there i think i received one of the less toxic versions of it because with like with my parents understanding of biblical roles mm-hmm. as as they apply to men and women um which in itself is already too limiting for my sensibilities but um the the idea that if the woman is meant to submit to the man then the man has responsibility has to be responsible for the woman mm-hmm. so i guess if <laughs> i almost want to put it in like i'm not in the bdsm community but i kind of want to put it in terms of like dom sub like <laughs> the dom is responsible for the well-being of the sub otherwise the sub can't trust the dom like it's True. it's that sort of dynamic of right. sex and submission that's like mm. I don't know the church is closer to kink than it knows you know like... let bruh let me tell you <laughs> that's my thing i'm like where did they like where did we lose this uh where did we allow you know the shift to be this thing if you know you believe that the lord is the creator of all he created sex what when did we taint it with these taboos like i was just thinking even earlier i was i was i was making breakfast i was like i i was just like when did we and just thinking about the some of the conversation we had before we started recording of the kind of caricature we've allowed jesus to become in ourselves as the body of Christ or the church that it's become so comical in culture that it, it it's yeah it's just a really bad exaggerated drawing um and like everything like beautiful and good like sex like companionship partnership um love intimacy has been tainted by us so why would we be shocked that like we've the culture has has a warped view like not to say that someone who doesn't believe in god can't have like meaningful sex or anything but it's just like have we read song of solomon Yeah. Kinky. I mean, I, okay. People talking about yeah. the Bible boring. The Bible ain't boring. You just don't want to read no, there's, it. Okay. There's erotica in there. Ero- straight up. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the messiness of the Old Testament. <laughs> like people are like, okay, God's wrath, God's wrath. Listen, have we read Genesis? That is a whole telenovel if I had one. Okay. To all my Latin family. Um, 
and I'm just like I just don't know how did we we just like boxed it in into this weird one-dimensional character of a being and it's just it's gross to me it's become very gross to me um yeah yeah, i don't know where i was going with that but (laughs) it's all right (laughs) but yeah Yeah, i mean like go ahead with with like um well on the topic of purity culture and all that stuff um yeah still triggered (laughs) yeah sorry (laughs) you're fine Um, you're fine you you are totally right that the the onus and the, the sort of like guilt and shame especially publicly is always uh disproportionately heaped on women yes and um so the the one sort of saving grace i'll say about the way that my parents approached this whole topic was was from that sense of like if you're the god chosen leader then you have the responsibility so it's your fault if anything happens so don't do do it (laughs) so so like the the consequence of that was i mean there's probably a lot of good that came out of it in terms of like if they weren't going to teach me about consent then at least they could teach me to keep my hands to myself you know so and then I learned about consent before I had occasion to join hands with someone. So, uh, but, but that's a weird thing is like, you can have these relationships with somebody. Like I had entire relationships where we never really got to understand each other on a deeper level. Cause we were going through this endless cycle of like, getting horny and acting on it and then like feeling guilty and like apologizing to each other and and we didn't even have sex it's just like making out stuff it's just like the guilt was so deeply ingrained Mm -hmm. that this natural act of expressing affection for somebody who is affectionate for you too and like you're both adults and consenting and everything's fine but you feel terrible because of it it's like so a lot of people suffer sexual dysfunction for their lives because of that sort of stuff you know you ain't never lie Um, yeah yeah. and um and and pairing that with like also the expectation that you're gonna presumably get married to the person before you, you know like i don't know there's just this sort of a lot of stuff doesn't make logical sense to me <laughs> about that whole culture. You know, it's like I'm, people aren't objects, right? But I'm not going to make a commitment when I don't have a full picture. Like, I don't know. And I think some people might think of that as like being shallow. Like, oh, you're not going to love somebody if if their junk is weird or whatever. You know, but. <laughs> And that's not not what I mean. It's like, well, what if you have fundamentally different personalities sexually? Like, what if you're into very different stuff? You could try to force it to make it work. Or... I think... It's better if you find out before you sign paper. Like, I don't know. Dead. I think, though, where I can kind of, like, 
uh, be the devil's advocate towards that is I think there's a lack of honest communication in the church too amongst people before they get married of their expectations of sex because we're just so weird about the whole topic of sex period before marriage. It's just like, you don't have sex till you're married. You don't have sex till you're married. That's the conversation. And then somehow psychologically that's supposed to just kind of disappear because of one night of a party and signing a piece of paper and telling people and God uh, that, okay, we're going to be in this together. And people, the brain is a very powerful thing, you know, and I've had conversations with, you know, I've had conversations with people who have no regrets with waiting until they were married. And it's been, you know, a, a journey for them that has been beautiful and spiritual and you know supernatural and all the good things that a healthy sexual relationship um along with love and commitment and consent and just beauty of it um can have but also i've had conversations with friends and people that i know that did wait and where it was really hard because again you you have gone majority of your life and depending on when you got married, a lot of your adulthood being told no, 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 your brain only knows no. So how right. how are you supposed to turn that off? And I think that's been where it's just like, we need to be able to feel safe to have honest conversations. Um, whether you decide to wait or not, you still need to have those conversations. And be open and and I think, yeah, that that is a huge issue for Christians and the people in the church is like, you're just not having that conversation. Because I think I I see both sides and I've gone, I've been in a place where I can um, appreciate the weight because of, of honest like growth together and the beauty of it and i also can just like respect two consensual adults like i don't think i've let go that god is so focused on what you're doing in your bedroom than what you're doing to help build his kingdom and i think that may turn people off i don't really care um we're so fixated on stuff that has nothing to do with eternal value should i protect my temple um in my my body my mind my soul my spirit all that for sure but there's so many other ways of protecting myself from something bad than just sex and again it just brings it back to this one-dimensional thing but what i was trying to say is i i think because we don't know balance in the church you know i understand where you're coming from in the sense of like well all I knew was like, no, no, nothing. And learning, unlearning that very just hard, I don't, I don't want to call it hard, but just unhealthy view of sexuality. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's like an unnatural. It's view. very unnatural. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, it's like, it's a physiological need. I don't know. Like, yeah. A lot of people have used that sort of 
uh, expression to try to exploit sexual favors out of people like oh it's a need I need it you know but like that's not what I mean uh, yeah because, yes you know I know but, you don't but yes tell the people who yeah, know yeah, yeah. who you are <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah I feel like put it, categorizing it as this sort of like a like a tailing or list. something like that it, it 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 frames it in a way that people some people approach it as something that you try to get away with and therefore something Ooh. that you can that can be taken Ooh. from someone so i think that emboldens the ignoring consent as a factor um and there's a certain like lack of personal accountability because you're already doing something bad so to speak Mm -hmm. so it's not that bad to make it bad for the other person as well or something like that like it's yeah i I feel like it's a slippery slope for sure for sure it can be i think and but like with anything between two people i think it will it should always start with like honest real authentic conversation whether you know whether you decide to to wait or not and i think too of being able to allow yourself to grow in the different nuances of yourself and being okay if you change your mind Sure. And I think that's why, I think too, like when you said about like the different types, you know, there could be a couple different types of people who leave the church. And for me, I've been guilty of that kind of thought in in the back in the day of just like, they just want to go do their own thing. They don't want to. And it's just so limiting. And I was too. Yeah. It's just so limiting on the human experience and what someone can go through and I think that it, it's really in the last couple years of like my own church trauma that I was re- able to really humanize that experience because I think too it's just like a lot of people are they're able to talk about things when it's a concept like especially if it's like a hard conversation like you said I think so many people who for me, I'm like, if you're harping on homosexuality, either you, it's been like indoctrinated in you so heavily to be focused on it, or you, you have thoughts and you're struggling and you right. don't know what to do with it. No judgment. Right. But usually no. like, or like the, the pastors who harp on women in their clothing and they're, usually they're the ones who are like addicted to porn. And it's just right. like, they're angry at themselves and the kind of or philandering with yeah whoever or what yeah, yeah. and it, it's just like we you you're fo- like we truly are focusing like on the wrong thing i mean and so we're i was like yeah i was i was truly ready to like I have I want nothing to do with the church. It's just gonna be me and God writing this out. Um after just so seeing and experiencing it, you know, for myself. And it's really heartbreaking for to to feel that and to know like 
this is something that someone else could have gone through and we place judgment on them in a way that is just like not helpful and and it's not even biblical um right there's no grace to it there's none there's none um yeah it's it's been it's been a long two years of of processing for me um what i want my experience in the church to look like do i want an experience in the church um my faith is different um I'm never, you know, I think because I've been able to have like such, um, it's helped that God has like proven himself to me in such ways I can't deny him. So we're like in the difference of you and the skepticism has been minimal for me in that sense of just like, what do I believe in? But the skepticism of the church has been very much like hundred percent at times um yeah and it and it's just I'm just like grossed out a lot and I don't like that you know um for you in thinking about like uh the skepticism of it like where are you now with you know, let's take away the church from for a minute, like the flaws of fellow human beings, um, like, and you said like the skepticism, you know, from being gullible and those, like, like where where has that led you? Like, what was, what has been your experience using that skepticism? As your did you use that as your guide? And then where has that led you? Well, um, I haven't really felt a good strong sense of direction in a very long time mm-hmm. um so like my skepticism i guess it the way that it informs like in terms of like my outlook or something like that mm-hmm. um i think that I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm skeptical more of myself now than I used to be oh. um, about like what I accept to be the truth mm-hmm. from one moment to another. Um, so I feel like my skepticism has like started outward and gone more inward over time um, because there's so many things that I've just taken for granted or taken as truth that whether or not it's, I mean, like if I were to say things that I've taken as true in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, I can't necessarily say that they've been disproven. You know, I can't really say that. Right. Um, what I can say is, um, well, I don't know. I might want to take a running start at that thought again. Um, I don't think that I have all the answers for sure. Um, and I used to, you know, a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. white guys in their mid twenties, mm-hmm. think they know everything. <laughs> uh, and 
No comment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the more that I learn, the more that I observe, the more that I question how capable I am of building an accurate picture of the universe, you know, as mm -hmm. it exists. I think that my perception is limited, but I think that it would be doing a disservice to myself to not make use of every piece of evidence that I can get in mm. terms of like testing things against what's verifiable. Um, there's, there's one scripture that always bothered me. Uh, I, I wish I could remember it verbatim, but with, you know, people get the point. Uh, it said something to the effect of who, I think it might even have been in the book of Job when, uh, when God is like really giving it to Job, like being God, being his own hype man, like t giving his credits, you know, to Job. And, and uh, there was something about who can say, uh, why the sea comes this far and no further and who can, when the sun rises and sets, like who knows where it goes. And it's like, well, we do know though. We know that now. And that doesn't invalidate the scripture that we have more knowledge, but for, for people and a lot of conservative Christians that I've come in contact with in my life, they don't want any knowledge beyond what's in the Bible. And they'll consider anything beyond the Bible to be heretical. And and people will take that more extreme or less extreme. And some people take it to the extreme of they don't believe in science. And that has, you know, a whole continuum. So, like, I don't know what sort of your educational background is or what your family's stance on things was with this. Mm -hmm. um, for me, my parents are biblical literalists uh they believe in a literal seven-day creation and a, like that the earth is quite young like yeah ten thousand years old or something like that um and i remember a lot of science classes and stuff that i took in my private christian education that would sort of present scientific ideas um but they wouldn't they would gloss over it a lot and they would just sort of mostly talk about how it's like, well, God created the universe and that's what's most important. And, um, and then when I was in high school, I heard that some people believed that Christians believed that dinosaurs aren't real, that, that Wait, what? Satan. Yeah. I, 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 and somebody was telling me this about my own religion. And I was like, what? He's like, Oh, you're a Christian. I was like, yeah. He said, you don't believe in dinosaurs. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? Of course we do. He says, no, Christians, they think by, uh, dinosaurs were put in the ground by, by Satan to test their faith. Yeah, I don't that know what I Christians he was that. talking to. I can't fully co-sign that. I don't know what Christians he yeah. I mean, even like my, yeah. the crazy one. No, I don't. Yeah, but I looked yeah. into it and there are some people who do believe that. <laughs> no, no, I wanted to believe it's not true, James. <laughs> right? But you know what? There's a lot of people that believe the earth is flat too. So it's, it's not necessarily... <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> continue. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, oh my gosh, I got distracted by my flat earth digression. Uh, what was I saying right before that? Jeez. Um, you know, 
evolution and stuff. Your parents were literally oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So. ADHD. <laughs> you know, I know that life. The struggle. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I... Oh, right, the dinosaur. Sorry, I just told totally again. <laughs> so, like, um, this guy telling me that, you know, Christians don't believe in dinosaurs and me thinking that's ridiculous, of course we do, and then learning that there are a bunch of Christians that don't believe that dinosaurs actually existed versus my parents who believe that dinosaurs existed on Earth the same time as humans versus the fossil record, which has that separated by billions of years. And like, I've always been fascinated by history and science and not really good at either of them, but I'm just curious naturally. Um, and, and learning about history is really fascinating to me when things happen that I read about in the Bible. But then I found out, oh, there was other people and they were they were actually keeping really good records. They were keeping good notes. There's a lot of information about this time period yeah. that I thought was just lost, you know? And so it uh-huh. puts puts people, you know, like um, uh, the Babylonian King Darius, like puts him in a time and place, you know, when uh, David uh, uh, in the lion's den, I think, was that Daniel. particular. Daniel, sorry, Daniel in the lion's den. Um, and uh, I always used to confuse those two. Um, <laughs> It's Two like, different time periods, historian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sort of like puts it in that time and place and what was happening politically with these other sort of cultures and, and empires and stuff. And and seeing the sort of hangover or the carryover of over uh, overgeneralizations of cultures um like as like eastern uh middle eastern cultures being viewed as like decadent and uh you know egyptians having wearing makeup and and some people saying oh that means they were effeminate or whatever it's like well if you don't understand the context of the time then you're just you're not going to understand what you're actually reading you know you're going to miss a lot of information there um so context is everything only want to get their knowledge from one book. I understand if you if you want that to be the foundation of your life, if that's the most important book to you. I, I understand. For sure. But I don't understand refusing any other knowledge. Yeah. And, and not using the brain that you have to the best of your ability to... And, and understanding that we as humanity have come to a certain place because somebody, you know, somebody made a bow who made a, you know, the, um, actually this is a Star Trek quote, uh, somebody made a bow who made a better bow, who taught their children, who made a better bow, who learned how to ride a horse, who, you know, and, yeah. and so on and building on the experience of others. And I feel like the church is sort of stuck in this cultural Riptide, eddy, churning thing where they're just trapped, uh, not progressing, not building, because they're insisting on not progressing past, in some cases, Bronze Age theology. Like, 
I understand that if something is true, is truly true, then it's true forever. If I, you know, that expression like that makes a certain amount of sense. Right. But just because something was widely accepted for a long time, that doesn't mean that it's true. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I keep hearing about, you know, these different ancient cultures that would take over, um, like um, the Babylonians, um, they would take over and they would either, like one one dynasty would snuff out the local religion and traditions and language even and, and insert their own sort of way of doing things. Right. And then later they would sort of let them keep their own thing going on. And that was sort of the time period when a lot of the Bible was set during. Um, so, so when I'm reading the Bible and it's talking about, like, the Roman occupation during Jesus' birth, like, did no one have any questions about what political life was like going on at that time? Like, it, it informs all the writings in such a way that, um, I don't know, I'm really getting in the weeds here. Yeah, I think, <laughs> too, um, I think, too, is... I think for some people, it, it, I feel like, I know for me there, you know, when I was younger, like letting myself be informed by something else could maybe like minimize my faith or I'd lose faith because of kind of the fear that was not supposed to be indoctrinated because, you know, but is like, I kind of, you know, like those, I don't know if, um, you grew up Mennonite, right? Yeah. So I, I grew up Baptist and I, you know, they're very much unlike, except Jesus or go to hell. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't know if you ever experienced like going to like a judgment house or going to like, I always, (laughs) I always wanted to actually, (laughs) but I never did. But Uh, uh, a bunch of my friends who went to a different church, they had one and I, probably got in trouble and wasn't allowed to go okay yeah but my sister went so so you know i was like 11 years old and we had gone to this play and it was one of those kinds of it wasn't a judgment house it was just like one play but basically off the the kind of gist of what a judgment house is they tell a story of someone or two people either they accept jesus and then they die and go to heaven or they didn't accept jesus and they die and go to hell and i was so freaked out by that experience of that play i was like i accept jesus i accept jesus like you know because i had been you know by then it had been a couple years since my parents had separated i'd seen very much the ugliness of people and their selfishness by you know like what my father had done and 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 adultery and all these different things that affected us and why my parents were separated and and heading towards divorce and you know I wanted nothing to do with with God like I didn't doubt his existence but I was a very young and angry child um from my experiences I had already faced I had faced a mountainous of things um by 11 that many children shouldn't have to deal with and so but I also was like, 
I don't want to go to hell. That looks like a terrible place. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I believe in Jesus. And, like, I went to the back. And my mom was, like, so excited and happy. And I was still, like, clearly freaked out. I was like, I just don't want to go to hell. Like, the, the, the whole loving feel of acceptance and peace that you should feel when you, you know, quote, unquote, accept Christ and believe in what he came on earth to do and rose from the dead and died on the cross to pay this ultimate sacrifice of sins and the beauty of that was not there at all mm. and yeah. and that was kind of like still is like kind of the driving force of of people and i think from that i can only speak from my experience i think that's the kind of fear a lot of people have with accepting outside influence forgetting that like the bible is your guide to life but it is not meant to be an answer for everything in the sense of what is happening outside of your walk with god um if we're focusing on relationship and um, a growth in intimacy and communication. This is a reflection of of God and who He is and what He did in these periods of time for the chosen people, and how it's a reflection of Christ's coming and all these beautiful things. But yes, I there's also truth in what was happening in the people around them. And what's not in the Bible. And I think that doesn't change who God is just because it's not in the Bible. And I think people have a hard time accepting that. And I, again, it goes back to like, where did we... Like when you think of like the Renaissance age and like these times where art and music were intertwined with like the sacrament and the sacredness of religion of Christianity you know the beautiful art that came from it the the music the the life that came from it and when did we become so stiff yeah you know well I think we can blame the pilgrims for a lot of that to be honest Uh, you said it not me (laughs) honestly though there's a huge like I think that has been maybe one of the biggest influences in terms of like this but how did they get to pilgrimage too is like you know like how you know I tell people when I have conversations about like my current walk in my faith and what that looks like and the the theme of this year especially has been decolonizing my faith yeah. Because a lot of these bounding, don't make sense, theological thought processes, things that de- minimize my humanhood as a black female, as a female, um, none of that f- fits the narrative that I receive from God. Or when you know the context of scripture, like you said, like it, it doesn't fit, you know? People try to, people don't want to talk about how God gave Aaron and, uh, I forget Moses' sister's name, a hard time 
when they were trying to go against his marriage to an Ethiopian woman because she was black. And people try to use that, oh, it's because she just wasn't Jewish or whatever. Nah, they were trying to be racist AF. And God was like, nah, bruh. Like, the, the fact that the sa- your savior is not white is like, unex- like it, you can't accept it. It's just, there's so many right. of these things I've had to really press into releasing as a black female who was indoctrinated a lot by white teaching sure yeah um and so yeah it's 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 weird how much it's just so ingrained in you and how i don't know for you and and when you decided to walk away but for me in changing and shifting what I allow to enter into my spirit um, has lifted this huge weight mm. off of my shoulders. I don't how do you feel? Yeah, I mean I I I agree. Um, gosh, my thoughts are so clear right up to the moment when I start talking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that, yeah, for me, it's, it's really difficult to separate what is, I don't know. I think moving a lot might've informed my decision to leave the church because, um, you know, if something's not working, be feet, you know, and it's not like I didn't care about the church. It's not like it wasn't important to me. It was literally my entire life. I was there all the time. I grew up in parsonages that were on church property, you know, and I would fold bulletins when I was like eight years old and I would be on the worship team. And um, But part of my decision to walk away had to do with not fitting in this mold mm-hmm. kind of like you know it is it is definitely like a white christianity that that i was raised in and even though like it's tricky though because <laughs> they don't tell you that um, <laughs> say <laughs> like what <laughs> right <laughs> but i you don't know because like oh i had i have you know my friend Timothy, he's black, so we're not racist. Or, you know, <laughs> he's black, you know, whatever. We're I not. was definitely that token black friend for many people. Sure. Yeah. Maybe even for a tour. Who knows? Oh. You know, like. <laughs> mm. <laughs> friend. Okay. I hope that's not a hurtful thing to say. It's not, because it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's true, I mean, but it's not. Sure. No, I, I think that you were probably exploited on that tour you know um um, oh yeah the the microaggressions i still the the macro and microaggressions i experienced on that tour uh, could last me a lifetime yeah but that's for another day sure (laughs) um gosh i've got a billion thoughts that are all just like well let me help dancing in through each other (laughs) So, 
you know, this podcast, you know, we, we've talked a lot and we're, we're heading towards the end. How has, um, in leaving the church, is that when, like, you were able to be more in tune with your mental health? Like, when did that becoming, like, caring more, I guess, and, like, allowing that to be something that is, is part of what you care for in your in your in your whole being yeah i absolutely i never knew how to take care of myself or how to prioritize myself or that one could do that until i left the church Mm. because especially and you'll probably have had a, a even stronger experience in this direction as a pastor's kid uh you are expected to be giving of yourself you know the the pastor's family is at the service of the congregation um and so like my parents had an open door policy people would be coming into our home all the time and it was just sort of like you you accommodate others always and um like when we first moved to Maine when I was in high school first meal as a family there was church people there and we were like why don't you join us for dinner you know stay here and we'll just you know we'll be on for the evening you know instead of just like relaxing as a family letting it all hang out so there was no off switch it was always on um always like to the point where I'm pretty sure I developed like a completely separate false personality um like a persona yeah you know yeah um and then my mental health demanded attention uh because ignoring it (laughs) mental health is like uh cancer if you ignore it it will grow yep so um ignoring it doesn't solve it so um you can't pray it away you can't right yeah i'm sorry for people listening who think they can you you can't worship and pray it away yeah and the tradition the religious tradition that i was raised in and my parents hate it whenever i say religious because they're like it's a relationship not a religion it's like well but then why (laughs) why are we doing okay all right (laughs) (laughs) but it, (laughs) it was very much considered like depression is you're being selfish you're being and anxiety is like you're you're seeking attention there or was doubting no god of, like, thought mm-hmm. of there's no compassion to it you know so um i just sort of ignored and uh i think that it started to like seep into my body because mm. um like i to this day i have chronic pain um, my girlfriend thinks it's fibromyalgia, which is, I think that's doctor for, I don't know, sounds like you heard everywhere, but we don't know why. So, um, so my self-care is, is one of like my, my biggest jobs day to day. Like that takes so much time out of my day because if I don't do yoga every day, my body will grind to a halt. Um, and I have to like beyond stretching I have to get some cardio in I hate exercising I never exercised growing up I hated going to, to PE and stuff and I would get picked on and bullied and I have all these negative associations with working out and vanity and all that stuff and, but when it became something that I have to do to take care of myself then you know the 
yeah. script flipped and suddenly it was like, oh, I can do this because it's for me. It's not something that is being forced on me. You know, like I'm moving my body because my body needs to move in order to keep moving. And so being being depressed and anxious and all this stuff, like it really gets in the way of doing those things. And so it's sort of like a constant battle to keep my body moving, to keep my mind healthy. And, um, you know, there are good days and there are bad days. And um, I don't know, today's not a great day pain-wise. I'm, I'm having like a, a big pain day, but it's like, it's, you know, it's life. You just kind of roll with it. But I never had the capacity to understand that uh, when I was sort of like living as a Christian, all of my mental energy and focus was on trying to seek God's will and find my place, find my purpose. And what does he want me to do? How can I do it? How can I be of service to others? And I still have that ethos. Like I, I live my life serving other people, not hundred percent, but like one of my very, very close friends, um, has a traumatic brain injury and he's, he's a big, big part of my life. He's my girlfriend's very best friend. And, um, when I, when I tell like Christians about that relationship, there's different kinds of reactions and some people react. And I know that I have no way to read people's minds and I'm projecting a lot of this, but a lot of unspoken reactions strike me as them wondering why why you would spend so much time with someone who's disabled like there's there's like an ableist sort of streak in certain flavors of christianity that that really really turn me off um and and i've noticed it a lot in the midwest especially like people having certain standards for their spouse like they want a partner with a perfect body because you know if god chose you for me and if god wants the best for me then you know you, you probably should have narrower hips right or whatever like it's it's never ending the toxicity that can be thrown in there when you don't examine what you actually believe and why do you believe it if you just sort of go with the flow then you're just sort of serving christian culture you're not being a, a christian mm. and yeah so there's uh, a the, the divide sorry go ahead like the divide between um me like studying the bible and trying to apply it to my life and really hello that's my cat um trying to apply it to my life and being the best christian that i knew how to be it didn't fit with the broader christian culture and some people reacted to it as though I were in defiance mm. of, of whatever. And, and so I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I left the church. I feel like the church as I understood it ceased to exist. It's like I slipped into another dimension again. Mm-hmm. And, and I had several opportunities to peek behind the curtain a little bit 
anybody, uh, to peek behind the curtain. And I find that in various organizations, religious organizations, the higher you get to leadership, the fewer true believers you find. It gets more and more exploitative as you get up. Mm-hmm. So, so being in the sort of proletariat of Christians, people are are being manipulated, you know, and some people are true believers and a lot of people are just doing it because it's the culture and then they can be harnessed to do some really heinous things because they're not examining they're not there's no accountability you know yeah there's there's a lack of a yeah um there yeah and (laughs) i've unfortunately been one to experience what that lack of accountability um how harmful it can be to others um and and what it did but again that's a whole nother kit and caboodle um oh my gosh james we there's like so much more i'm gonna have to bring you back on um but just thank you for just being real and raw with me today and i appreciate you um a lot of heavy hitters today so is there if there's one thing of encouragement you could share with the folks, what, um, as we head off today, what would it be? My word of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, hmm. oh man, <laughs> terrible at being encouraging. Um, <laughs> love each other. Let just love each other. And, um, I don't know. For me, like, I don't know if I believe what I believe. I'm constantly searching. But worst case scenario, if there is no heaven, um, then this life is all we have. And I think that it's in all of our best interests to make this life safe for everybody and beneficial to everybody and loving and accepting toward everybody except people who don't love and accept other people um so yeah um keep your chins up we'll get through it yes (laughs) do your best stretch stretch daily you know what amen on that note we're gonna end that there because that is truth (laughs) especially if you old like us um (laughs) stretching is a must and that rhymed and you're welcome um that's it guys for teacher's thoughts today thanks for listening um if you have any thoughts and questions you can hit me up at on ig t-w-e-s-h-s thoughts on ig um again james thank you so much i'm sure you'll be back and here see you guys later okay bye